Friends, we are resurrection people. The historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead in time and place is what has come to define us as a people. It's what makes us who we are. It's the event of all events, and it continues to shape us and the world in which we live. That might be in question right now, maybe now more than ever. As a result of what's going on in our world from a health perspective, we're lost. We're wondering what to do and what comes next. Is there really answers for contemporary issues like these in a book as old as this? I believe so. It's a great parable, modern day parable. In the old city of Jerusalem, right now, stands the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's a place where pilgrims have streamed for centuries to pay homage to Jesus. It's the place where he was condemned to die. It's the place where he was crucified. And it's not that far from the place where Jesus rose from the dead. The large wooden doors of this church are closed today. For the first time since 1349. In 1349, the Black Plague was ravaging Europe and the known world. And that's where we are today, in a button-down world where we cannot travel. We can't do the things that we want to do. We can't go to the places that we want to go. We can't see the people that we want to see. And for crying out loud, we want to be together on Easter Sunday, and we can't. But we understand this is the way it has to be. What is the intersection? between the resurrection of Jesus and the contemporary world in which we live. I hope to explore that with you today from the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 24, we have the old familiar words on the first day of the week. At early dawn, they came to the tomb. And friends, that's where our faith begins. On the first day of the week, Sunday, at early dawn. When the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Why did they come with spices? They came to anoint the body of Jesus. It was the uh, ancient parallel to embalming fluid. It's what they did. Rubbed the body liberally with spices and wrapped it in cloth. Only trouble was, verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. How do you embalm a body that's no longer there? When you and I think about the resurrection of Jesus, we tend to think in terms of certainty and confidence and assurance, but that was not the case on that first Easter morning. It was absolute chaos, pandemonium. Because no one knew exactly what had happened or how to make sense out of it. The women saw two men dressed in white clothing and they said the infamous words, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. What to make of that? What to think? The person that we saw murdered with our eyes and came to lovingly 
prepare for long-term burial has, has disappeared. He isn't here, and then we're seeing people in bright clothes, and they're telling us that something's happened, that he's risen, just as he said, what? What exactly was it that he said? I don't recall. And so this banter, this back and forth, this dialogue between the women and the disciples and the others, and it's literally mayhem. Nobody knows what to think of it. Nobody knows what to do. And as evening dawned on that first Easter morning, there's an interaction recorded here in Luke's gospel that took place with not Peter, James, John, Mary, Martha, or any of the women that we knew, but a couple of disciples, one of whom we don't even know the name. These two were walking home from Jerusalem. After everything that had transpired, and as they walked along, they talked and they tried to make sense out of it. And it's amazing what happened to them. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 says, Now on that same day, Easter Sunday, take one. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along the road? Imagine the scene. It's crazy, right? Jesus appeared in their midst. Two of them walking, not, not in a mob of people, two guys walking down the path, trying to figure this thing out. All of a sudden, a third guy sort of saddles up beside them. And he didn't recognize him. The text says they were kept from recognizing him. There's sort of a divine plan unfolding here, and we find out that Jesus is the preeminent trickster he shows up and discloses himself and, and, and plays with the intellect and the emotion of these two confused disciples. Hey, what are you guys talking about? And you can imagine the astonishment of this too, right? Luke goes on to tell us in, in great detail. He said to Jesus, what, are you new here? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's taken place? Of course, the city was all abuzz with this. Jesus was crucified. Jesus is not here. Stories are circulating. Nobody's seen his body. There's no body. What do you make of that? How do you make sense? What does it mean that he's not here? We had hoped that he would usher in the end. Well, here we are, confused and baffled. Jesus said, what things? And encourages them to talk more about what they knew, what they understood, what they perceived. The upshot of this, is that Jesus inhabits the conversations of his people. Which means, friends, that Jesus can be in our midst in a way that's often imperceptible. Right? We worship an invisible God. 
Jesus came representing, physically embodying all that God was. And now he's not here, right? Since the resurrection and the ascension a few days later, Jesus is no longer on the scene. That doesn't mean he's absent in our world. Think about all that you and I have experienced in the past four to six weeks. Think about everything that has unfolded in our midst. Do you suppose that that has somehow caught God by surprise? That he didn't know? That he was, that he was baffled by what transpired in our world? Now you and I, different story, right? Christmas 2019, everything was great. We had no idea. We still thought Corona was a beer. And here we are. A few months later, making our way through a brand new reality that's changed everything. From a health perspective, obviously, it's turned us all into germaphobes. And from an economic perspective, it's, it's isolated us within our homes. It's, it's bred an amount of uncertainty that's unprecedented in our time. We still wait and wonder and watch. We don't know what to do. But I assure you of this. God is in the midst of us, in the midst of it with us, in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus inhabits the conversations of his people. And the resurrected Christ walks with us in a way that's often imperceptible. We don't know it. We can't describe it or alliterate it for others. It's something that we don't even know how to put words to. But we know about God's presence, that the name Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. God walks with us through everything that we experience. So when you and I have conversations, when we talk together, when we share together, when we speculate together, when we try to put the pieces together like these early disciples, we can be assured that Jesus is with us in a way that's not tangible, that can't be explained, that can't be quantified or packaged and sold. Certainly a way that's not predictable. But Christ inhabits the prayer, the praise, and the conversations of his people. So like those original disciples on the way to Emmaus, we're walking our way forward. We're making progress in that seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We're learning, we're growing as we go. And as they walked along the road, after the disciples had sort of exhausted their knowledge base, and told this unfamiliar stranger everything that they knew about Jesus and the hopes and the aspirations of his followers. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then, I love this, verse 27, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Man, wouldn't you love to sit under the teaching of Jesus, the Bible teacher. Talk about a sermon. Jesus took Moses and Abraham and David and Solomon and Elijah and Ezekiel 
and all of the prophets and all of the kings and all of the priests. And he put it together and he said, look, boys, it points to me. It's all about this moment. It's all about me being crucified, me dying, me being raised from the dead and entering into my glory. Jesus said all that was written was written as a precursor to this moment. Which means not only does Jesus inhabit the conversations of his people. It means that Jesus is accessible to us through the scriptures. Now maybe we thought there was something more clever than that. Maybe there was some mystery cult that would bring us closer to Jesus. Maybe there was some knowledge base that we could attain. Maybe there was a special chant or a prayer that we could do to bring Jesus nearby. Maybe there was special enlightenment that we could experience through one thing or another, but it's none of that. It's the ancient scriptures. It's the Bible. In the Older Testament and the New Testament scriptures that reflect back on Jesus, this is our knowledge base. This is the point where we learn and grow about what it means to follow Jesus in discipleship. You cannot know more about Jesus the Christ than you know about the scriptures. Our responsibility is simple. Pick up and read the book. What's your relationship with the scriptures? Maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time. Maybe you feel as if you've outgrown those stories. You've heard them from the time you were really small. You're on to bigger and better things. What things? What do you have? Jesus opened the scriptures to them. And as they came to the village, verse 28, Jesus walked ahead of them as if he was going on from there. And they begged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Isn't it amazing? And then they said afterwards, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us? while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. That's what I want for you. That's the experience I hope for you, church. The burning heart experience as you read, as you study, as you meditate on the scriptures, that your heart burns within you to know the living Christ because the scriptures all point us in his direction. So what's your relationship with the scripture? Is it too much to set aside a small portion of your day, maybe that first moment or two, to just open the pages and let God speak to you? Let God form you let God reform you into the image of the living Christ to whom the scriptures point. The disciples knew that they'd had an experience. They knew that something was going on. And until Jesus kind of appeared, 
magically until, until their eyes were made to see that this is who he was. They knew something was going on. That's the experience that I want for you during these days of quarantine. Take time to read, reflect, study. Meditate on the scriptures which point us in the direction of the risen Christ. There's no replacement for time in God's word. Learning, growing, being formed. Let's take advantage of this opportunity. Isn't that the upside of what we're experiencing, of the quarantine, of the shelter in place? I got nowhere to go. I got nothing to do. Open the book. Read for a little while. Write about what you're reading. Talk about what you're reading. Pick up the phone. Send someone an email. This is what I'm seeing. What are you seeing? Read the same passage with people that you love who are in different places around the globe and talk about it together. This is how God forms us. The last thing that I want to say is that Jesus inhabits the conversations of his people. Jesus comes to us in the scriptures, but look, Jesus is revealed to us in the breaking of the bread. Aren't the words hauntingly familiar? It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. And it was in that moment that Jesus broke bread with them that their eyes were opened and they recognized him for who he was. What is the breaking of bread? It's a symbol of worship. It's what we do when we're together. It's what we're mourning the loss of right now, right? The breaking of bread is a symbol of community. The community uh, at worship. The community together. And right now, we're the community separate we're in different places. We can't be together. We can't see one another, touch, feel, hug, embrace. But we can be community when Jesus is in our midst. That's something that the walls do not separate. Jesus Christ brings life and vibrancy to us in community. And social distancing is only really physical distancing, right? Because we're still social beings. We're having a social experience right now. And after this video ends, you talk with the people you love and that's social. You get on the phone and that's social. You get on media. What's media? Social media. These are ways for us to connect. And that's what's imperative for us to do in this time. Because as I said earlier on, Isolation is one of the challenges that we're facing. People are feeling alone. And with God, and in community with God's people, we are never alone. I wish I could look out over these chairs right now and see them filled with you. I can't. It's a privilege that we don't have presently, but it's one that we'll have again. And the way we know that is the resurrection of Christ. He brings life where there was death. And Christ comes to us and we experience him. He walks with us. He's in this thing with us. That's what I want you to know. You are not alone. 
You are not forsaken. You inhabit the thoughts and the prayers of the Christian community. We are connected, right? We are First Baptist Alameda Strong. And the resurrection of Christ from the dead is the unstoppable force. It's the thing that makes us who we are more than anything. The resurrection of Christ forms our identity. And we get to experience that resurrection reality in an ongoing day-to-day experience. As we talk about Christ, as we study Christ, as we worship Christ in community, the only community that we have right now, we utilize it for God's glory. The resurrection, friends, it's like this. You see this? Corsage? It's kind of ugly. Perhaps you've noticed it. It's, it's a dried up, dead rose. And the resurrection is like changing that into this. A beautiful, vibrant bouquet. Jesus Christ came and he brought life and light to us. That's the experience I long for you to have. Now, what do you think I should do with these? Do you think there's a nice young lady that would appreciate these? I'll let you think about that. My friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you, my friends, and give you his peace. Amen. Said I'm sorry. You made a way.